0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way. Imagine people going to church year after year after year,
1: but they are spiritually empty, Why? Because the Word of God either watered down or diluted. Because the Word of God is either ignored or denied. Because the Word of God either got dumbed down or twisted. I often tell people, if you are in one of those dead churches, what you need to do is run.
0: In the Bible, cautions abound regarding coming judgment. God's people are charged to warn family, friends and communities of the time when everyone, great and small, will have an audience of one before God. Today on Leading the Way, words of warning found in the book of Jude, those pages right before Revelation in your Bible. It's part of Dr. Yusuf's series... Truth, the most endangered species. Especially encouraging for anyone in one of those dead or dying churches, living life year after year spiritually empty. Listen along with me to Dr. Michael Youssef. Now I want you to
1: turn with me to this passage of Jude. Here he talks about the day of judgment. He said, these men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of His Holy One to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts that they have done in the ungodly way. All of the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers, are fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and they flatter others for their own advantage. As we have been seeing throughout the series of messages from Jude, he leaves no room for imagination on those who have turned their backs on the truth, those who watered the truth, those who deluded the truth, those who look like Christians, those who are wolves in sheep's clothings. And the first description, blemishes. The word literally means hidden rocks in the sea, in the waters. They are like sunken reef in the waters. You can't see them until you hit the rocks, and it's going to be too late at that point, after the damage is done to the ship. That's what the word literally means. They are just below the surface. Uh, They are the ones who tear up the church fellowship. They are the ones who confuse the faithful believers. They follow their selfish ambitions and their lies. They will Come and be involved in a church. They participate in the Lord's Supper and they become part and parcel of the church of Jesus Christ until they begin to cause dissension, until they begin to cause division. They then cause the boat of fellowship around the Word of God to run aground. The love feast that he's talking about is a full blown meal. It will be like a potluck supper we would have in a church. They came around this meal, the love feast, remembering the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and were encouraging for one another. And just think with me of how many a church today that have run aground because of selfish ambition on the part of some, because of false teachers and false preachers, because of a skewed gospel, because of cultural conformity, because they're appealing to the flesh. And Jude said, they are not only hidden rocks in the water, but they are also clouds without water. They get blown around by the wind of culture and the wind of society. Imagine the deep, deep, deep disappointment of a farmer who is in the middle of a drought and longing and praying and desperate for rain. And then all of a sudden, he looks up and he sees the cloud, and then he'll become happy and rejoice, but then to his utter disappointment, to being crushed by discovering that that cloud did not have any rain in it. It got blown by the wind. Not a drop of rain came. That's what these folks are. They are like clouds that have no water. They're waterless clouds. But thirdly, he says, they're autumn trees without fruit. In the Middle East, they harvest twice a year. They harvest at the end of the spring, then they harvest again in the autumn. In fact, the autumn time is where the food supply is stored for all of winter. If the crop fails in autumn season, they will endure a cold, harsh, severe, disappointing, and difficult, distressed winter. Even can lead to bankruptcy. Imagine the deep grief of those who are in spiritual winter of depression. Imagine people going to church year after year after year, but they are spiritually empty. Why? Because the Word of God either watered down or diluted. Because the Word of God is either ignored or denied. Because the Word of God either got dumbed down or twisted. Because they're spiritually fruitless. I often tell people, I said, if you are in one of those dead churches, what you need to do is run. Get out of there as fast as you can. I remember one time, 20 years ago, I was having a conversation with a prominent man in our state. I will not mention his name, but I I remember having this conversation. He was in a church, one of those churches deep into apostasy. And he said, you know, I would be out of there except my grandmother is buried in the church ground, I looked him in the eye and said, let me tell you something. This is a prominent man. I said, if your grandmother finds out what's going on in this church, she would run too. Run. Get out of there. Jude said, they're twice dead. First death is spiritual death. Second death is physical death. Not only that they're hidden rocks, not only that they're waterless clouds, not only that they are fruitless trees, he said, but they are also foaming waves. Do you know that the Bible describes unbelievers as the sea? Isaiah fifty-seven twenty says, The wicked are like the tossing sea. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. We all have seen it on television or in person, how after a severe storm, you look at the seashore, and it is littered with debris. It's littered with mud. And Jude is saying false teachers with their empty and soothing words, they are like foaming waves. Their deception causes so much damage, and sadly, most of it is felt after the fact when it's too late they are not only hidden stones, they're not only waterless clouds, they are not only fruitless trees, they're not only foaming wild waves. Fifthly, he said, they also like shooting stars. I bet you remember lying there on a summer night and you saw the shooting star coming down. Of course, we know these are not really stars, because stars have orbits, they have directions, they have purpose. In fact, in the sea captains in the old days used to use the star to navigate their ships, relying on their steady direction, on their predictable moves. But these stars that Judas is talking about, he's talking about these shooting stars. They make a big flash, and then they disappear into the darkness. They could never be trusted by the navigators, or anybody else for that matter. And Jude is saying, these synthetic Christians are like the shooting stars. They burned out chunks of rocks that are heralded into the dark space. And these are not the stars in the orbit because they have no orbit. They do not know where they're going. They are aimless. They are purposeless. They have no structure. They are wild. They are like the shooting stars. They light up the sky of the media for a little bit, and then they disappear. They are constantly moving away from the light of the Word of God and they do it so slowly and so subtly and by the time you wake up and you realize what is happening, they have moved away from the Word of God and that is why Jude warns them and warns them of the judgment of God that is coming upon them. Look at verses 14 and 15. He said, Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied of them saying... Behold, the Lord is coming with many thousands of His holy ones to excuse judgment on all and convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. And for all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. Remember Enoch in the Bible? Read about him in Genesis chapter 5 if you don't know much about Enoch. He's one of only two people in the Bible who never died natural death. They literally, like Superman, I mean, they whipped up in the air and they took off their civilian clothes, which is the body. As they went into heaven, they put on the spiritual body on the way up. Enoch lived before the flood. He's the seventh generation from Adam. Enoch, even back then, prophesied of the day of judgment that is coming. He prophesied about these last days. Look at verse 16. Jude said, these apostates follow their own evil desire. They flatter others for their own advantage. Why? Why are these ungodly people like wolves in sheep's clothing are going to be severely judged? These people of whom Enoch is warning us today, these people of whom he prophesied, These are not the atheists and the agnostics and the people who have no religion, have knowledge of God. He's not talking about them because he said these people are in the church. They participated in the communion service. These people are within the church who turned their back on the faith. He's talking about these apostates and he's warning those who knew the truth but they turned their back on it. Verse 16, look at it again. These apostates follow their own evil desires and they flatter others to their own advantage. They use soothing words. They flatter people. They lull their congregations to sleep. They lull them into thinking that they will be all right. Feel good. And I was thinking about these modern preachers, these flattering preachers, the smooth-talking preachers, and I, I thought of, a man that I read about many, many, many years ago. He was a great Methodist evangelist by the name of Peter Cartwright in the first part of the 19th century. What a great man of God. He preached the truth in a time when the truth was not popular. And one day he was about to get up and preach, and one of the church leaders ran into him and said to him, he said, Now, now Mr. Cartwright, Mr. Cartwright, Be very discreet in what you say today because President Andrew Jackson is in the congregation. He said, all right, thank you. And then he got up to preach. He said, I hear that President Andrew Jackson is in the congregation today. I have a great deal of respect for President Jackson. But if President Jackson does not repent of his sins and receive Jesus Christ as his only Savior, he's going to hell. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I found myself crying to God, give us more of Peter Cartwright in our society today. It was said that after the service, Andrew Jackson went to Mr. Cartwright and shook his hand. And he said, sir, I wish I had ten men with your courage around me. These hidden stones in the church, these waterless clouds, these fruitless trees, these foaming waves, these falling stars, of them Enoch tells us that they will be judged. Remember this, Enoch lived just prior to the flood of Noah. And you remember what Noah did. For 120 years, he was proclaiming salvation through the ark, and he was calling his neighbors and his friends, please enter the ark and be saved. The flood is coming. But they mocked him, they jeered him, they made fun of him, they ridiculed him. No wonder the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, 37, about the last days, He said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Today, Christians are ridiculed in the public life. they mocked. They're persecuted. The worldwide apostasy is on its way if it's not already here. I believe it's our doorstep but listen again, that does not scare me at all. That does not worry me. That does not frighten me. That does not make me lose any sleep. In fact, on the contrary, bring it on. Yes. Yes. Because we've read the last chapter of the book and we win. We win. We win. <laughs> In fact, when we see this worldwide apostasy, Of course, as believers who love the Lord Jesus and love our neighbors, we want as many of them to come and to know Him and escape from the judgment as possible. I try to do this in my own personal life. Every person that I come across who doesn't know the Lord, I share Christ with them. I lovingly share Christ with them. I try to reach to them as much as I know how. But I know that when these things happen, I rejoice. I don't get worried about them. I rejoice. Because it means that our holy judge and his judgment are on its way. It means that his judgment is going to be a personal judgment. is going to be purposeful judgment. It's going to be a flawless judgment. Remember, on the day of judgment, Jesus is going to be the only judge who will sit at the bench. But not only that. He's going to be the prosecutor. He's going to be the sentencer. He's going to be all of the above. There ain't going to be jury to acquit you on technicality. There'll be no loopholes that a clever lawyer can find. Lawyers, forgive me, I'm sorry, but that's all right. You know what I'm talking about. There'll be no appeals. There is no greater court to appeal to. This is the court of Jesus. It is the highest court in the universe. There is no other court. For John the Revelator said of that day in Revelation 19.11, I saw heaven standing open, and before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, And uh, his name is the word of God, the armies of heaven. We're following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Now, let this be a warning for any of you who think that we have a sissy Jesus, uh, who think that we have a milktosh Jesus, this Jesus have a tattoo on his thigh. Those of you who think we have a weak Jesus, or that we have a helpless Jesus, wake up, we have a powerful Jesus. And a mighty Jesus. And the Bible said that we know him after the flesh no more. Because, yes, to be sure, in his first coming, He came in humility, but in his second coming, he will come in power and great glory. In his first coming, he came as a helpless babe born of a virgin in Bethlehem. But in his second coming, he will come on a white horse. In his first coming, he had nowhere to lay his head. But in his second coming, he will rule the nations. In his first coming, he was spat upon. But in his second coming, he will rule with an iron scepter. In his first coming, they mocked him. But in his second coming, everyone will tremble before him. In his first coming, he hung helplessly on that cross in order that he may pay for the judgment of all of his believers. But in his second coming, he will judge all everyone who denied Him as the only Savior. In His first coming, He suffered and died, but in His second coming, all who have rejected Him as the only way to heaven will suffer for eternity. His first coming, He was ridiculed and was crowned with thorns, but in His second coming, the Bible said he will be wearing many crowns, real crowns. In His first coming, Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate and even the mockers of our day who are sitting on judgment of him but in his second coming he will be the only judge that without him there is no other hope He will execute His judgment on all those who were ashamed of Him, all those who were embarrassed by His name, all those who have denied the power of His cross, all of those who have preached mumbo-jumbo gospel and not the gospel of Jesus Christ, all those who have watered down the faith, all of those who have accepted all religions to be the truth, all of those who have preached that all ways will lead to God, all of those who have deceived and misled His children. But the question is, Where will you be on that day? If you're not sure you can be today, wherever you are, the Bible said today. Today is the day. Don't put it off. Father, you are the searcher of every heart. You know the condition of everyone. And we come to you in the name of Jesus. If there's a single person... Who's about to turn their back on the truth? Call them to you today. If there's a single person who just become a professional listener to preaching and never let the word of God penetrate deep in their hearts, so they may repent and turn to you and receive you as the only Savior and Lord. Let this be the day in which their name be written in the book of life, so they fear not the day of judgment. But they know most assuredly that therefore there is no condemnation upon those who are in Christ Jesus. But they have escaped from the day of judgment into his glorious riches. Father, in the name of Jesus, minister to every heart. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus and through the power that's in that name, that you do business with each individual. For Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Where will you be on that day? This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Maybe after hearing today's message, you'd like to speak with a compassionate Leading the Way pastoral team member. Start the conversation at ltw.org slash Jesus. Now, as we close out today's program, let me share encouraging words from a man in Morocco impacted by Leading the Way. Since I started listening to Leading the Way, I've been touched by the words taught. I learned about God's mercy and love. It was the first time I heard these words about God. I started saying to myself, am I wrong to follow Islam? I need to know the truth. Since then, I've been listening and have corresponded with a field team. Well, this story is one of many we hear every day. Many in similar situations are also in correspondence with a field team. Many are coming to Christ, and many are being discipled and rooted in the faith. Learn more of the global impact of leading the way when you call 1300 133 589. 1300 133 589. Or visit ltw.org. And you can also write to Leading the Way, PO Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. Leading the Way, PO Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Connect via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org.